And I said, there is no way this is going to work because it wasn't, you know, I wasn't that I wasn't cut from that cloth, you know? And then, so I took the presentation, you know, and I went in the house and, and I had, I had made my wife a promise that if I paid, you know, a sales coach to teach us to sell, I would do everything that he told me to do. So when I went in the house and I went through the whole thing that he had taught us, the people it was like the first time they were watching Star Wars. And I, and I sold the job, I got the check and I went home and I was like, we gotta get another salesman. This is the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. Brought to you by G4 Marketing. Interviews with today's top home improvement entrepreneurs about marketing, sales, money, mindset, and lifestyle. Now, here's your host, Brian Kaskavalsian. All right, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. This is Brian Kaskavalsian with G4 Marketing Group. And I've got a guest today that we've been trying to do this for a little while. This is a great story. You're going to learn a ton from this. I don't normally say this, but if if you're driving and you got other things going on, this is one you really want to pay attention to. If you're feeling stuck in your business, if you are an installer or salesperson and, and you're like, you're working, working, working in the business and you're just, you, you, you want to make the switch to being a business owner, this is the episode for you, all right? So I've got with me today, John O'Leary from O'Leary Roofing. And John, welcome. Thanks, Brian. I'm glad you're here. I do, I got to tell everybody, if you don't have a copy of The Seven Secrets to Becoming a Wealthy Contractor book yet, there are still free copies that you can go and get. Just go to thewealthycontractor.com and you will see a button there where you can go and get a copy of the book for free. Basically, I buy the book, you pay for shipping. So, John... We got a lot to talk about today, but why don't we give everybody your your background? Let's give them the two-minute version of your story, and then I got a lot of stuff to ask you about. Okay, Brian. You know, I was the typical uh, 10-year-old, and things weren't going good in my father's building business, so we decided to go into siding business. And mom had to go to work, you know, because the economy wasn't real good, and so I got to go to the job site. as You know, that was my babysitting. So, you know, my dad told me all those years, if you don't go to college, you know, you'll be doing this rest of your life. So here I am, you know, push the clock ahead. 1984, I graduated high school, walked off the bleachers, went to the county, registered my business and started banging vinyl siding on and, you know, never looked back. The vinyl siding business was good to me. I did about 22 years of new construction vinyl siding, and I always kept my foot in the door with remodeling, I'd always sneak in and reside, you know, a couple windows, do a re-roof once in a while. And that, so when the, the new construction shut off, I still had a customer base that I worked with. And it was me and a couple guys, you know, the typical installer. And then as, as the clock was ticking, I, uh, I got older and I, I worked a storm in the Lehigh Valley with, a, with, a, with another contractor. I did some siding for him. And I was watching this guy and he never left his office. He had like two, three crews. He had me doing siding for him. 
I was like, man, this guy, you know, this guy's killing it. I, I got to figure this out. And it took me a while. It actually took me about seven, eight years to, to finally make the decision because my, my body started giving up. And spring of 2008, I told my wife that we were, we're done. You know, we have to figure out whether I'm going to sell for somebody or, you know, go work for somebody or if we're going to do this a different way. And, you know, thanks to a couple of really good expos and meeting some really good people, this, it took off. It just, it, it grew because I was the guy that didn't believe that anybody could sell a roof for me. I was the guy that didn't believe anybody could run my crew, you know, and, and, you know, coming from the production side, I know you say a lot of your guys come from the sales side and, and they don't know production and their reviews show it, you know. But with us, because I come from the production side, I think you can learn the sales faster than you can and better than you can learn the production. And, and that was the, that's the key to our success is because I was always taking care of the customers and the, and the experience with the customers all those years of no callbacks and no punch lists and all that, that when we go into this now, we get a red ticket in my office and I'm like, well, what happened? And, you know, and we don't get very many, but when we get one, it's like, well, what happened and how to, how to take care of it. So our customer experiences is, is really, really important to, to the company. So three years into not installing anymore, we've grown to, you know, a new building and several employees in the office and, and just hired another guy to, to run, you know, run trailers and stuff. I got a production manager, does an awesome job. So we've, we've gotten to the point where I have to look at this now and say, all right, what's the next step? And, and how do I get a little bigger or how do I get, stay the same size and have more profit? Yeah. Okay. So you said, and I think you meant 2018. So spring of yeah. 2018 was when you made that decision. Okay. I got to stop being on the on the roof because at what point did you go from siding to roofing it was kind of a combination because a lot of our customers wanted a one-stop shop they didn't they didn't want to hire three guys to do roof siding and gutters so we would we would sneak a gutter guy in and we would do the roof and siding the roofing part of it probably was about four years straight i was an active installer but before that was a lot of vinyl siding a lot of windows and doors yeah. I mean, it was a couple of years. I did 1500 windows a year with wow. two guys plus the siding and the, and the, and the roofing. So who, we were, who sold, who sold all those jobs? I did. And it, <laughs> so you're installing during the day and selling at night. Yeah. And you know, Brian, it was, it was back in the days where it was a handshake and a bag of money, you know, it, it was, it was a different, completely different business. And I say that, you know, it wasn't exactly like that, but, Usually when somebody called me, they didn't want to know how much it was. They just wanted me to do the job. Nice. And I missed, I missed that. I missed that part when I started doing just roofing. Yeah. Selling the value of the company. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a benefit. But then the bad part of that was it was all, you were doing everything. Exactly. Sherry, his business partner and his wife, is back in the office trying to figure out how, you know, all the paperwork and all of that and the accounting, right? Well, actually, this is going to surprise you. So hold on to your chair. 
Sherry didn't start working with me or doing anything with my company until March of 2018. Oh. I did, I did everything. You did quickly. everything. Interesting. I even, I even did my own payroll. Oh, so that's interesting. So that might be around the time you had to make that decision, huh? Exactly. A tough decision. Exactly. So, okay. So up until, I mean, basically through 2017, through 2000 or part of 2018, you were basically installing during the day, going to the office, working, trying to get all the stuff ready, and then going out at night and selling the next, the next yeah, jobs. Weekends as we sold, when we sold. Yeah. So uh, just to give people an idea, because we talk about leverage a lot, we talk about making the switch from production to uh, to being the owner of the business. Do you mind sharing those uh, a couple of those numbers that you shared with me? Like the year before you guys made the switch, what was your revenue? We were about 600,000 that okay. year, now, 2017. Yeah, that's basically one person, right? Yeah. That's basically one person. Okay. And then the next year when you started this transition into a business owner was what? 2017, we were right around nine, 920,000. Uh, 17 was 900 or 18 was 900? Eight, 17 was 900. Okay. That was like, I was running, I was running crews doing roofing selling roofing and I was still doing like vinyl siding, put windows in. Wow. It was kind of that transition of it all because I couldn't roof anymore, but I could still do the windows in the, in the siding. So I'd run a, I do two roofs a week with a crew and then I would go out and do siding and windows the rest of the week. Wow. Okay. So 600, then you went to 900 and, yep. and then, so at that point you were like, okay, I'm going to be a business owner. I'm not going to be doing the work anymore. How long did it take before you were like off the, the, the production side, doing the work yourself, the installations yourself? How long did it take? Well, through 2018, I, I cherry picked a few jobs to keep some extra cash flow, you know, some windows and stuff. Yeah. But, uh, you know, and you, it was, the thing was, is I would still do a little bit of installing, but I knew I shouldn't have been doing it. I knew every day that I put my belt on and I still got, you know, I still do carpenter work and stuff, but you know, the thing is, I knew I shouldn't have been doing it, but into 18, I was still actively doing some, some stuff like Saturdays and Sundays. I do the roof repairs okay. I would go out myself because I knew I could fix the roof, sending a crew out, you know, they might not get it. And then we got to go back. Yeah. I would do airs on the weekends and still sell on the weekends but during the week okay but that's okay that's fine but during the week now what were you doing we had hired our first salesperson we had to train them i had a guy made kind of a big mistake you know hired a friend of mine you know i could sell roofs he was retired and and he could but he always felt sorry for the customers he he gave stuff away he contracted us for work that we didn't want to yep. do. It's typical, you know? right? It's kind of the typical story. This is what we right. I, exactly. I had the same problem when I hired my first salespeople right. too. Right. Okay. And, uh, so, so working on that, you hired a salesperson. Yeah, I did the training, but through 2018, I ran the crew. Okay. So I was still driving the dump trailer. I was still meeting with the people. You know, I was still doing that part of it because we had such a struggle here hiring like a job foreman 
or a, I couldn't hire, hire a courier. You know, I couldn't get really for months. We couldn't find anybody. And every time we found somebody, the, the one guy spent a little bit of time with us and then he, he took everything he learned from us and went and started his own business up the road. You know, is he still and in business? He is, but the non-compete that we had, he finally had to call me and settle. Yeah. So, so we, you know, put a little debt in his, in his, in his account there. But the thing was, is every time we would hire somebody, they'd look at me and they'd say, I can do this. Yeah. And it would disappear. So we had to find, we had to really, you know, do that, uh, that old saying of hiring very slow and firing very fast. And I have learned to just, if it's not working, just ask them to leave. Yeah. And because I would rather do it myself than do it myself and pay them to do it. Yeah. So let me ask you this, just to give people a little perspective. Okay. So that was back in 2018. Yeah. We're sitting in 2020. We're in the last week of 2020. Now this right. year has been a little bit of a weird year. But the last two or three times I've talked with you, you were at the, what do you call it? The president's office? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. What's the president's office? It's at my house or at my cabin at the lake. Yeah. The, the last time I spoke with you, and I yeah. think even the time before, you were at the cabin at the lake. Right. Yeah. So, and I don't usually ask people, but do you mind sharing what you guys did this year in terms of revenue? We're, we sold 3 million this year. Okay. So here's why I wanted him to tell you all that. So let's unpack this a little bit. Okay. 2018, 2017 makes the decision. I, I gotta, I gotta become a business owner. 2018, still trying to figure it out, still trying to figure it out. Now we're going to talk about 2019 because things started to change in 2019, but he made the decision in 2018 and started moving towards that in Two years, I mean, like two years, two and a half years. Now, look, you're at a multi-million dollar company. Their profitability, by the way, the first, I think one of the first experiences I had with you was Sherry actually, I think, said, hey, you have to meet my husband. And then he said, would you look at our financials and just tell us if we're doing okay? And I'm like, oh, boy. Here it comes. I'm going to I'm going to have to be the bearer of bad news, right? I looked at this thing and I'm like, you guys are doing flipping awesome. This is one of the best financial statements I've seen in a long time. Now, it, you weren't at this level yet, but still no. the fundamentals were in place. The fundamentals were in place. So, 2018, you're still, you know, you're in the thing, but you know you know, this is the thing too that about John, and this, and we talk about this is he had the confidence. He knew, I'm gonna get out of the truck. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be the owner of this business. It's just gonna take me a little bit to figure it out. Did take you that long? So let's go into 2019. You had the misstep with the salesperson, right? So we hired another one. Yeah. And uh, you know, I did one thing that I did do is I, I found a, I found a sales coach because, yep. you know, I can read really well, but I wouldn't teach my kids how to read, you know? Right. So, and I can, and I can sell a roof or I can do a roof, but I wouldn't teach anybody to sell one. So we. Well, let me, hold on. Sorry to interrupt you, but, yep. but he just gave you one of the secrets, right? One of the secrets. 
is that, okay, unlike people like me who had to fail 18 times, you said, well, wait a minute, after this couple of experiences, I maybe am not the best person to be teaching somebody else how to go and sell in the house because we cannot teach others how to sell the way that we do. And so you need to have a system, a process that your people can follow. This is true of production people. This is true of every piece of the business, but especially true in sales. So what did he say? He went out and hired a sales coach. It's an interesting way of saying it, but sales coach that taught him a step system of selling, right? He did. And the first time he presented it to me, and he's going to laugh when he sees this, I was, I watched him teach, you know, my guy how to go in the house and what to do and how to do it. And I said, there is no way this is going to work because it wasn't, you know, I wasn't that I wasn't cut from that cloth, you know? And then, so I took the presentation, you know, and I went in the house and, and I had, I had made my wife a promise that if I paid, you know, a sales coach to teach us to sell, I would do everything that he told me to do. So when I went in the house and I went through the whole thing that he had taught us, the people, it was like the first time they were watching Star Wars. And I, and I sold the job, I got the check and I went home and I was like, we gotta get another salesman. Okay, so again, stop right there. Okay, I want you to hear this too, because most, this is where a lot of business owners will, will fail. And it, and it takes longer for them to make the switch. Listen to what he said. He said, if I'm going to pay this guy, I'm going to do exactly what he tells me to do. You didn't let your preconceived notions, no. your experience, your, well, I know how to do this. I've been doing this for 20 years. And what do you know? But you didn't let any of that come in. You just said, okay, if I'm going to hire this guy, and he comes and he knows what he's talking about because other people have told me he knows what he's talking about. I'm going to do what he tells me to do. And exactly. that's, again, that this is part of the reason why I've been waiting to interview John because of so many of these things that he did the right way. Not easy, though, right? It wasn't easy. Oh, no. I don't no. You know. I've, I've listened to a lot of the podcasts and I... And I, you know, there was a guy from Chicago, you know, and, and I hear about his story, how he got the business and everything. And, and I'm thinking, man, he must have not slept for three years yeah. to get there. And although a lot of times there's, you know, they, everybody's putting the icing on it and saying, you know, oh, yeah, I got a $5 million business, whatever. It is hard. It's hard. Yeah. It's, it's, it's work. It's, it's harder than what I was doing. But the work, but, but, but hold on a second. Yes, it is. But, at, but what was hard about what you had to do was you had to turn off all of the, your, what, how do I want to say it? Like your ego yelling at you. Well, every right? day. Every, right? No. Every day. Oh my God. No, no, I've done it this way for so long. They're showing me a totally different way of doing it. Totally different, night and day. His, right. The selling system that you were shown, and I don't care whose system it is, as long as it's a good step selling yeah. system that has yeah. proof of, of, uh, of workability, like other people are using the same system, then I don't care whose you use. Right. 
but you have to have a system. And then what did, what was the last thing you said about that? After you saw that it worked, what'd you say? I got to get another sales guy. Got to get another salesman. Why? Because the system worked, right? Yeah. And I knew I had the crews because I had worked with these guys for 10 years. I worked the same crew with them, you know? And uh, so I knew I had the, I had the production side of it, but I had to get the sales side figured out. And, and to, to think that 2018, I was, you know, in that position and then now to look back, one of the funny statements in around my house is, you know, I'll grab one of the work trucks and I'll change the oil on Saturday. My wife's like, I'm calling Brian. <laughs> yeah. I shouldn't be doing it. You, you know? shouldn't be doing it. That's right. I enjoy doing it. I don't do it for a need. I do it for a want. Yeah. You know? and, and you know what? You've earned the right to do that. You've set exactly. up your business. So exactly. it works without you having to go out and... Uh, install roofing or sell or you know and right. now you could say all right well if a truck breaks down i'm gonna go fix it if i want to go do a repair on saturday i'm gonna go do it why yeah, not I, you know yeah don't, yeah don't tell my wife i'm climbing though yeah so, no you shouldn't be you know you shouldn't be no and and, and look it's a wednesday right today's no tuesday 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 yeah. it's tuesday we started this at four o'clock and where's john John's not working Tuesday at four o'clock working today. No, (laughs) I'm home. I I did. I did take care of some stuff in between some of the things I had to do around the house. Yeah. But one thing I'll say, I was going to get into this later, but the, the having, you know, having the COVID, you know, that now that it's, it's out of the box and having COVID, my wife and I were both positive. Yeah. We didn't leave our property for three weeks. And we have an awesome team. Yep. Uh, they dropped an envelope off for us, you know, and we communicated with them. But the word problem never came up. They they handled it. Yeah. And not that it was a good thing to get COVID, but we learned a very, very valuable lesson. Yeah. It, we don't have to be there over, you know, standing over everybody's desk. That's right. You know, and, so. and ideally, you don't want your business to be at the end of the day, you do not want your business to be dependent on you. Right. And right. that's so hard for some people to understand because and, and, and you know who you are that's listening. I was that way. John right. was that way. Everything had to go around me. Everything had to go around John. We are the center of the universe. Well, guess what? If you want to live life on your terms, I mean, like really live life on your terms and make money and have free time and do what you want to do, your life or your business cannot be centered around you, right? You set the vision for the business. That's it. And, and the rest of it needs to be done through people, through process, and, then, and, and ultimately with a good profit model. Let's talk about that for a minute, because another thing that has really, really impressed me about you is you have not been squeamish about pricing. Not at all. At least in the time that I've known you, maybe before not- you were, but 
you're just like, well, if we need to raise prices, we're just going to go raise prices. Let's talk a little bit about that, because that is one of the things that really prevents people from making the money that they should be making. Should be, not could be, should be. There's two things about raising the prices. We, there's the roofing manufacturers are announcing a lot of price increases for this year. Yeah. So if I have 40 jobs on my calendar and my supplier calls me and says, we're raising the prices on Monday, I got to pay more money for the materials, sometimes $250, $300 a job for 40 jobs. So I have to stay ahead of that. But the, the bottom line is, is there was a, there was a guy that was in a, that was really good to me. And he's done a couple zooms for us. He taught me of selling the value in the spring of 2018 in a seminar. And really he compared us to carpet layers, you know? And he said, a carpet guy comes in with a box of tools. The guy's making 40, $50, you know, more per square foot than you are. And you gotta have ladders and equipment yeah. and all this stuff. He's working inside. This guy doesn't even need a ladder. So he compared us to carpet layers and I really got it. It really sunk in. And the Saturday after that seminar, I literally raised my prices a hundred dollars a square and I brought checks home because I was always the guy, ah, you know, give me a call. Let me know what you want to do. No, I, I brought the checks home after that. Yeah. You know, I wasn't going back to their house. The next time I want to go back to their house when we put the roof on, yeah. you know, and, and I learned about the selling the value of my company and how valuable we were. And because we will go back, if there's a problem, you can get us on the phone. The, the customer experience was the, was always the main focus of my company, you know? Yeah. So right now we have the dilemma is I have to stay ahead of the price increases with the suppliers, but also I have a balance with my installers because I've learned what we can install and, and in what time frame. And I want to be careful that when I hit March 1st, I don't have eight weeks work on my calendar. I want to I want to have my winter stuff, my January and February stuff used up. So when my guys hit the ground selling in March and April, we can do those roofs right away. And we're not getting the we're not losing the jobs because all my, you know, other other roofers around, they can do them right away. We can't. Yeah. So there's balance of that as well. But my my top sales guy has told me many times they're either buying from us or they're not. The price isn't the issue at all. And there was a story that I got from a, another good friend of mine. He had a client out in Colorado. Guy was 12 weeks out, couldn't keep up. He says, what do I do? What do I do? And he says, well, raise your prices. So he added $150 a square to his prices. He calls his buddy back and says, nothing changed. Yep. He says, now I'm 18 weeks out. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> It's funny how that works. I mean, we have right. that conversation here a lot about pricing because right. it's one of the things and i'm gonna again you know we're a month away from accelerate and i'm working on the all of the the stuff for accelerate right. and that's another huge topic because i know that even in a year like this where home improvement has just boomed and and leads haven't really been an issue and sales conversions haven't been as big an issue as they usually are but i know i know that People did not make the kind of money that they should have made, even in an environment like this. So in an environment like this, if you can't make money, how are you going to make money when things normalize? 
how are you going to make things if and when, not if, when a downturn comes? It's coming. Right. We just don't know when, right? right? It would be great if we knew when, but we don't. And so you are prepared and you're not squeamish about pricing. So if you have to go no. raise your prices, what are you going to do? No. The salesmen come in, they're like, oh, you're raising the prices, you're raising the prices. I say, yeah, well, you get paid commission on, you know, percentage of profit. So be glad I'm raising the prices. Yeah. You know, and my guys don't have anything to complain about. They're, they're selling anywhere from 35 to 40% on a regular basis with a closing rate. Yeah. So. But we're doing, you know, we're doing good in the house too. Well, and you know, what's funny is there's an argument to be made that you, that you're probably underpriced because if you're selling at almost 40%, exactly. if you're exactly. selling at almost 40%, that means that the value that let's call it the perceived value, because they don't know yet, right? right? Because you haven't done anything for them yet. So the prospect, the perceived value of what you're selling is a lot higher than the price that you're putting in front of them, exactly. right? And by the way, by the way, I always have to say this when we talk about pricing, we're not talking about cheating. We're not talking about gouging. We're not oh, talking no. about unfair business practices. Not in at all. fact, your customer is getting what they deserve, right? Because you're not taking right. shortcuts. No, because they're, the premium, they're the premium products that we can buy. That's right. And you're not going to put a guy that's inexperienced, that's cheap. You're not hiring cheap laborers, right? No, no, not at all. So when you're doing these things and you're providing that sort of value for the customer, you need to price appropriately. And you need to price with your built-in profit margin, net profit margin. And John and Sherry have done a, a great job of it. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm really impressed. So we've talked about a lot here. And the one thing, you know, I know what your answer is going to be, but I want the listener to hear it. They probably know too, once they hear the question, but knowing what you know right now, what would you have done different way back? I'm not sure if there's too much I could change. We had a hard time hiring, you know, we had a, we started out working out of our house. Then we went to, we rented a small office space and we were working out of a shed 12 by 24 shed was our production, you know, department. Yeah. And now that we have the building, you know, we have, we have somebody, you know, answering the phones. She's considered our sales coordinator. So she coordinates the sales guys, where to go, what to do, scrubs their contracts. And we have somebody, we have a, a production assistant, who is helping our production manager. So she takes care of a lot of the, the, the pre-job stuff. And, you know, I'm not sure if I would have done much before, but I think the processes, because we were busy, I didn't sit down and write down, what is this person supposed to do? What is that person supposed to do? If I had to do it again, I think I'd have a three ring binder and I'd write this business down in a binder. So that when I was hiring somebody, I could hand them a yeah. piece of paper and say, These, this is what you do. And, th and then, you know, there'll be other things, but this is the main part of your job. Yeah. And, and I'm very fortunate that everybody in our company is very customer focused. And that customer experience, you know, their mindset to making sure everybody's happy. And like I said, when that red ticket comes in, everybody in the company knows about it. 
By the way, where does that, where does that come from? It comes from me being an installer. And I was, you know, when I would climb down off the roof, they would say, well, how come that looks like that? Or how come that looks like this? So, so we, we are eliminating all of those things that happened to me all the years. We're eliminating those at the job site. Well, I'm going to go, I'm going to, I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it my take. Okay. If you don't mind. Yes. you, You as an installer, there's lots of people that are installers that, when they were doing it, they did great job and the customer was important. But when they start a business, the customer is the, the, the most, the least important person in the business. The customer experience goes out the window. The reason why all of your people are all about the customer experience is because you've become a leader. Exactly. You put a vision out there and you said, look, this is who we are at O'Leary Roofing. This is acceptable. This is unacceptable, Right. If you do unacceptable, you're not going to work here anymore. Okay. This is what is acceptable. And you've got people excited about that. You've, you've, you've got them to buy in on your vision of being customer focused. Right. And, and, and the reason I'm pointing that out in that way is so that the person that's out there, that's listening, that's where John was three or four years ago. And it's just, you want to, to build an organization, you want to build a company and look, you don't have to build a $40 million company. You can, you could make a very nice living and get very wealthy from a business that does a couple hundred jobs a year. If you're in the specialty, if you're in the specialty business like John is, but it's, you got to step up and, 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 and part of this is having a vision and being a leader. I, I kind of, I think I kind of lost my train of thought that I was going to say something important. I thought it was something important and I completely lost it. Oh, I said, I was talking to the person that's out there. That's kind of, you know, stuck. And it starts with making a decision that I want to do this different. You know, I want to be the owner of the, of of the business. You got to be clear about what it is that you want. And, and, and then do like John did is go seek out people that can help you make it happen rather than trying to figure everything out yourself. Any final thoughts, any words well, of encouragement for well, the, the most important thing is the customer experience. The money will come. Yeah. You have to take care of the customers. We have over 125 star Google reviews. We don't have a review that's less than five stars from a customer for an asphalt shingle roof or anything yeah. else. that matters. Which is rare. For that it's, many, over a hundred, that's, that's rare. Hard. That's hard to do. But the bottom line is, is everybody's focused on the customer experience, the reviews. We are hearing probably nine out of 10 people when we ask them, you know, how did you hear about us? Or, you know, what brings you to our company today? It's, we reviews is one of the words that they use. Yeah. And you're not going to, and the, the internet's brutal. If you, if you mess up, yep. you know, you'll have to get, you know, you'll have to bury that. You get a negative review and you got to bury it fast. Yeah. And you know how hard it is to get Google reviews to begin oh, with. Oh, yeah. Go do it. Well, and that's why, you know, with G4, this is what we focus on. It's all about the customer. Right. And I've been, I've been, you know, 
I shouldn't say preaching, but I've been like talking about this for 11 years now. You know, it's like, it's all about the customer. People are starting to get it now. You know, you've always been about the customer. So, but it's like, this is the business is about the customer. And you're right, especially now with the internet and the reviews and all of that. Yeah, the customer experience is the most important. And hiring very slow and firing fast. Yeah. If somebody doesn't fit, you know, you have to, they have to go. Yeah. The, the production manager was a very difficult position for me to fill. I knew who I wanted, but for, for a couple of years, he wouldn't, he wouldn't come over. And he was with a big box store that I, I actually worked for him. 2009, I did roofing for him at a big box store. And, and he came up, he, he asked me to fix a roof for the big box store that they had screwed up and my wife just rolled the window down and said, you're going to come work for us or not. And, and he made the decision to come on board and he hasn't looked back either. Oh, that's great. He's smiling a lot more than he ever did. Well, look, and now, okay. So now that opens up something else too, is like when you build something that is, that runs well, that doesn't, that has a, a focus and that has clarity and has leadership and is very clear about how people win. So to me, you know, the three ring binder and the process and all of that, that's important for people to do their jobs. But behind that too is you are showing somebody how to win in their role, right? Right. Rather than having somebody come in, which is what, look, a lot of us have done this and said, all right, sit at you, this is your desk, this is your computer, When the phone rings, answer it and good luck figuring it out. And then you just start coming and piling crap on their desk saying, do this, do that. Doesn't work, right? Right. But when you have something like what you're building, people want to come and people want to be a part of it. Right. You have to support support everybody right down to the guy who takes the dump trailer out to the job and starts the job. We have two guys that do that. I mean, we support everybody 100% in the company in everything that they do. And if there's any questions or anything, we're always there to answer the phone if they need something. And and they know the limit to that. You know, they know that it's okay to turn a lead away. If it if it doesn't sound like, you know, they're an O'Leary customer. Yeah. You know, it's okay. It's okay. And we don't have to know that they did it, you know? Right. Okay. You trust them. That, that's their job. Yeah. That's their job. So Well, cool, John. I appreciate you taking the time to uh, talk with us today. I love your story. I hope that you have encouraged somebody out there to make that decision to get what I call get off the truck and, you know, go start to build the business that's going to serve you and serve your, you know, those that you love and help you live your best life, whatever that, right. whatever that means for, for you. It's different for all of us and whatever it means for you, that's what hopefully we've encouraged you to go and do. So John, thank you. Give Sherry my best. Yeah, I will. And for everybody listening until next time, this is Brian Kaskavalsian with G4 Marketing Group. And this is the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. All right, so that's it for today's episode of the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. Let me ask you, did it help you look at your business in a new way? Did it spark an idea or ideas you hadn't thought of before? 
Do you have a list of action items that you can take and implement into your business or your life today? I really hope so. Now, before you go, make sure you subscribe to the Wealthy Contractor Podcast so you get access to the latest episodes as soon as they're available. We're always striving to provide you with great content so you don't want to miss what's coming up. And a favor. I'd really appreciate it if you'd go to iTunes and post a review of this podcast. Let us know how we're doing. The Wealthy Contractor Podcast is brought to you by G4 Marketing Group, where we help contractors of all kinds create customers, keep customers, and multiply their customers and profits. If you're interested in reaching new levels of success for your company, visit www.gfourmarketing.com or just call us at 305 305- 856-8788 to schedule your free, no obligation, wealthy contractor strategy session. Now, during this strategy session, we're going to look at eight key performance factors in your business, and we're going to help you uncover opportunities for growth, for leads, for sales, and for profit. And finally, We started the Wealthy Contractor as a resource to help you, the home improvement entrepreneur, regardless of where you are on the wealthy scale, get where you want to go. We want to provide you with the motivation, the confidence, the resources, and the tools so you too can live the life of the Wealthy Contractor. Now, the Wealthy Contractor is a place where it's okay for you to want it all. In fact, it's not only okay, it's encouraged. So until next time, this is Brian Kaskovalsian with G4 Marketing Group.